Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from Western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. My name is Sam Nightingale. Um, some people tell me that I have anger issues, um, which might be true, but I'm also pretty, so why does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> Class is in session, and today we ha- we are busting out the character sheets. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming to the university Dungeon Master for Fast Times at D&D High, Sam Nightingale from Dimension 20, live streamer and voice actress, the always majestic as fuck Persephone, aka Persephoroth. How's it going, Persephone? Hi, I'm here. I'm <laughs> queer and I'm always angry. Hell yeah. I use that as part of my character. <laughs> <laughs> What's good? Not much. Just uh, ready to talk some character creation and uh, some fun stories from our characters we've played before. Um, but yes, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it's Happy all- to. Always fun uh, watching your streams. You do a bunch of awesome like Nuzlocke challenges and stuff. Uh, you're, I actually met you through our, our friend Josh, a.k.a. Norian. Um, and it's always fun to see. Jackass. You can just <laughs> use his formal title of Jackass. I, I'll, I shall note that down. And Norian's my best friend, <laughs> just so y'all know. It's, uh, I, I, yeah. Yeah. It's always a great time to, to see you two hanging out, but... We're here to talk about you and character creating, but for the folks out there, what's kind of your your nerd background? Like, when did you get into tabletop RPGs? Like, what's your RPG background? Oh, God. Um, I started with D&D, like so many other people, at, like, a gaming club in high school, which was a uh, long time ago, a very long time ago. Um, but I didn't actually start being a dungeon master until about two and a half years ago. Um, and like, I went very quickly from Dungeons and Dragons to World of Darkness, to the Fate system, to, um, like, God, I've forgotten all the different systems I've used, uh, over the years. I had a group up until very recently when I moved, I had the same home group for about 14 years. Mm -hmm. Um, and we just played through all sorts of RPGs together, so... I have been uh, a tabletop nerd for over half my life at this point. Very nice. Very nice. And that's one of the things like I've always wanted to dive in and try other uh, rule systems. Like my group is pretty much only like we did earlier editions of D&D, but we're primarily D&D. And it's like, I want to try the other stuff. So, but we are here to talk more about like the character creation aspect of tabletop. So what is it? When you go to create a character for a new game or bring back a character, like what is, I guess, to start with, because you've played so many different tabletop systems, what's kind of your like favorite character creation uh, system? Um, I mean, the one I'm most familiar with is D&D. Um, and like that does not mean it's the easiest or the best. Um, 
But uh, I actually am pretty neutral on character creation systems as long as I have enough um, ways to personalize a character. I'm very much a, I'm not a min-maxer. Mm. Um, I've come around to thinking that, you know, min-maxing is fine. I used to hate it. Um, but like, I am someone who definitely designs a character, their aesthetic, their personality, mm. um, and then like forms their abilities after that. I also make a lot of suboptimal choices because I feel like they'll be either purposefully for the story or good for the character's development, not necessarily what the character would do. Cause there's so much, there's so many people that justify some shitty things by saying, Oh, it's what my character would do. Yeah. That's not, that's not helpful. But like, um, to a degree, like I go for personality and like the characters, like whole shtick first. Um, it's also very different with PCs and NPCs because if I'm building a world, like, it can come about like different characters come out through different ways. Like mm -hmm. I built characters over thinking of a single piece of cloth that they would wear as part of their outfit and designing character on that. I've done everything from thinking of the culture that they come from and how they represent it or like break from it. I've done everything from like, just like designing characters that just are like, reactions to certain stimuli like it's very character creation is very different for me depending on whether i'm piecing or npcing so let's let's start with uh talking about npcs like one thing that i've always like i both am a player and a game master in the games in a couple games that i play and it's what i find so interesting especially when it comes from the npc side of things you can randomly come up with random person in a bar or a random traveler you meet on the road and your party members or your players might gravitate strongly to them that of a character oh, yeah. you pulled out of your ass on the fly. Whereas, but other characters or other NPCs you come up with that you've have much more of an elaborate backstory or you pers purposefully put in a lot of info to, they might not interact or be as moved by them. It's, it's so interesting to me. Honestly, some of the best characters you create are on the fly. Yeah. Like, without thinking of them ahead of time, just, like, using the stimuli of the game to base their personality, thinking about off the cuff. I mean, that's the beauty mm -hmm. of tabletop games. You can write all you want, but it is a lot of improv. Um, and, like, I can think of uh, characters from the podcast, like, um, Fast Times of D&D High is the second iteration of this game that I've run. And a few of the characters that were that are now core characters are actually NPCs that I thought of on the fly for other characters. Like one of the major NPCs is Monette was completely on the fly. Um, I also think that, I mean, there's ways to mitigate that by knowing your table. Yeah. Like I, when I have a table of people that I know, I can sort of predict who they're going to gravitate towards if I'm pre-planning an NPC, like just based on personality traits and honestly, whether they're hot or not. Um, <laughs> like still there's surprises which are great, but, like, it's very much knowing your table and what they're going to gravitate towards. Yeah. So you mentioned one NPC that started off as a pulled out of nowhere, off the cuff, and became more. What are some of the, the other NPCs that have stuck with you that, wow, when I randomly created this one, I didn't think that it would, like, this character would go there. Like, what are some that you've put together? Or, or played with, like, other NPCs and games you've played in that really struck a chord with you? Um, some of the ones that, like, came out of nowhere. Um, 
Let's see. I'm trying to think of the most recent season of Fast Times. Um, we're halfway through the season. We're on hiatus because my audio editor is in Iceland. But um, let me think. Let me think. I'm pulling back the databanks right now. There's so <laughs> many of them. Um, there is... Ned started off as someone that was um, created on the fly. Ned is another core NPC that people adore. Um, who's he talks like this and he's very nervous and he's all of like five foot nothing. Um, and like beyond him, um, in other games, like, like let's talk uh, Dimension 20 for a yeah. second that I played, the most recent like um, big thing that I did. Uh, there were a lot of memorable NPCs that Brennan just pulled out of his ass. Like, I can remember, um, I feel like Lair Cheese wasn't, I don't think. I think he planned for something to come up, but he didn't plan for it to go as dramatic as it did and as silly as it did. I don't think he pre-planned the personality. There was that guy um, whose name we never got that ran, like, Smashburger and mm. was just, like, a deadbeat. Um like, honestly, I think some of the most memorable NPCs, even though I'm having a memory death right now, <laughs> um, are the ones you create in improv on the fly. I think that those ones, like, you're thinking on your toes. Like, it's a completely different brain space to mm -hmm. try to be entertaining players on the fly from pre-planning and, like, creating them. Yeah. And, and I think that that goes for so much of... And one of the joys of tabletop, I find, is having to come up with a, a random side quest or like a, a a job on a board that you weren't expecting. It's, you added for fluff and then suddenly the party is, oh, well, let's do this one. It's like, uh, OK, let's do that. Mm -hmm. um, and having characters is it's a it's a blast to do for sure um, for planned NPCs. Do you like. Mm -hmm them to be more i guess for your storytelling when you are dming are, do you use npcs as quest more of like a quest giver aspect like in a video game rpg where you'll talk to them and they'll give you a quest or are they more of or do you let the world i guess or tomes or discoveries that the players make themselves serve more as the uh the advancement of the story um, it's a combination. Um, I don't tend to think of NPCs as quest givers. When I'm pre-planning NPCs, I sort of think of them as whole people. Um, whether or not the PCs dig into them more or, like, are interested in them or not, like, I know more about them because that informs the performance that mm -hmm. I give for them. Like, it can give them more depth and make them more interesting. Um, I also, like, the world is a huge influence on the characters themselves, but, like, the characters as people, like, it's like... It's like, you know, when you think about real people in the real world, like their environment affects them, but it's not the whole of who they are. Um, and I like to think about like what their daily lives are, like how are they interesting? And even if the players don't dig it up, that's information that I need to play them, mm -hmm. um, which is, I believe, like it's, it's, it's an acting technique, but I also use it in my improv because it like, allows me to sort of go on the fly and take them in different directions even than I was pre-planning them because I know these things about them and I know these things these things about their character and how they react to stuff. So it makes it a lot easier to just sort of like go with the flow. Yeah. At what point do you kind of 
notice or make that decision to, okay, I want this character I just came up with, I do want to take farther? Or, like, is it after there's just seems to be a chemistry with the players? Or is it, at what point do you make that decision or realizations like, okay, I this character has to stick around? It depends. Like, if we're talking, like, people who are going to be villains or antiheroes or stuff, like, those are people that are going to just show up, you know, and cause problems for them. Um... But it really depends on what kind of interests the players take. Like I've been, I've cut out entire NPCs from games just because the players were interested in them. Um, like a hundred percent, like the players decide who is sticking around. And that's sort of like, that's the one fun aspect. Like I know a lot of people like, Oh my God, I put so much effort into this, but it's like, no, I want them to have fun with this. Mm -hmm. Like I'm entertaining them. Um, we're building this world together. We're creating this space together. I want them to be interested in these folks. Um, so a lot of it goes on PC interest. And even with like main campaign villains or people that I'm like, that are causing problems or whatever, like depending on their interests, those people may change. They may become allies later. They may become like completely different characters. Like I, I base a lot off of feedback from the players, like just what I'm feeling reading the room and like what energy I'm getting back from them as far as like who they like, who they dislike. Um, and even sometimes who they dislike is like really someone that's going to stick around because like mm-hmm. some people love to hate folks and like sometimes I like to feed into that, you know? Yeah. I love creating like, what's your kind of like preferred or like your favorite kind of NPC to like come up with? Like, do you like the, the, the bad individuals, like the villains, the kind of, dopey tavern keepers do you like the heroic gallant folks like what's what do you have the most fun kind of coming up with in voicing horny ones horny the horny ones the ones that i'm like oh i know these players are gonna go for it i'm just gonna flirt with them for about an hour they know that that's gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) but beyond that like i there's no character that i don't enjoy playing like it's fun to stretch myself like it's cool and like with the kind of voice range i have it's fun to go from like oh i'm going to absolutely destroy you to like well um i don't really know what's going on but i'm here for the ride you know Mm -hmm. like it's fun to just stretch and see where i can go with things um but i honestly i think the horny npcs are the ones that are like made to flirt with them i think i have the most fun with because a lot of my players really like that stuff i've had players who don't um and obviously like i don't aim those npcs at them because you know Mm -hmm. reasons like it might be something they're dealing with outside a game or they might be ace or aero or whatever you have or i'm just uncomfortable with it in general um but like yeah i i enjoy it all i i love it and the one thing like being trans and being like uh having a physical form in general like there's only certain roles you get as an actor, but like with voice acting and with tabletop, you can do whatever the fuck you want. And that's one of the like cool things about within reason, but one of the cool things about it. Yeah. It's I always it's always a discovery, I find, that even when you are coming up with the character outside or just writing them down on paper, you never know quite how you'll play them. And it's always such a pleasure and experience to discover how you will evolve them um like i love kind of the dopey um 
like recently I came up with some goblins that talk in kind of um, very simple sentences and stuff, but I had players that speak goblin and it turns out like when they're speaking goblin it's very a dignified and refined almost like victorian english <laughs> and it's like but when they're speaking common it's like me this you go here big big problem big problem like very simple but then when they're talking goblin the people understand it's why yes this is quite a quandary we find ourselves in oh goodness gracious <laughs> and it's like hearing and that was just like an off the cuff thing, but hearing and seeing like the players react and getting a, such a kick out of that. It's, it's so much fun. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I will say that like no character is static. If the players are interested in them, if they keep showing up, they're going to change and grow and expand. And that's also true for PCs. Like I can write a backstory or like a history or like anything for mm-hmm. a character. And then when I play them, they'll be completely different. Like, it's just like I tend to think of backstories and like sort of like the history of a character as just sort of like, you know, motivation mm-hmm. and like uh, stuff that like because people act contradictory to like how they've acted in the past all the time. And I think that that's one of the important things about a good character. And like as a PC, when I'm seeing someone, I like that sort of like dynamic growth, mm-hmm. like taking Sam's arc on um, Dimension 20, the seven, or like the character I played for Faith Forge Academy, Miranda, like those characters changed and grew with the campaigns. And that was sort of like a big joy for me. You know? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, let's talk about going into the playable character route. You, what is... How do you how have you found, I guess, you start with a character? Is it like like just a an archetype kind of idea? Is it a a general kind of quirk or something you want to aim for? Or what's what's your creative player like your own player playable characters process, I guess? So the first thing that I like to do is look at the premise of the campaign and see how I can fit into that world. And, like, how I can enhance sort of, like, the storyteller's vision. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, when I, pl- I play, I'm a writer. And when I play games, I'm very much thinking of the overall narrative, the character development, stuff like that, just on the fly. It's just something that, like, because I've been writing for so long, it's just something that I do I, without even thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to make sure that, like, I play in a way that enhances things for everyone and like my character fits this part of the world not necessarily something that's like uh just like obviously like from this culture acts this way blah 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 Mm -hmm. but like someone who feels like a part of the world and then from there it's like i take inspiration from everything i i sometimes take inspiration from just colors and thinking about what the kind of character would wear this what aesthetic they have or just thinking of a personality trait or something I want to explore personally and part of my personality, mm-hmm. like, like an aspect of me that maybe doesn't get much um, visibility or something that I feel like, Oh, what would I be like if this was actually a more prominent trait or if I had the opposite of this trait? Um, there's like a, so many ways to think about characters. I've, had characters inspired by songs. I've had characters just inspired by articles of clothing. I've had characters inspired by curtains, for fuck's sake. And I'm not kidding about that. Lace curtains once inspired a character for me. Um, like, Very cool. 
Yeah, it's um, like, I think when I think of characters, what I encourage people to do is like, think about like the things around you, like even objects, colors, shapes, look out the window, like even those like little things can be inspirational for a character or their story or anything like that. Like if you're stuck, look ar- at the world around you and you'll find something. Mm-hmm. I I like to, for me, I it's very much a, I kind of, I'll just have kind of these, not epiphanies, but just this could be kind of fun. And it's, I almost view it as a puzzle, especially like if I'm trying to recreate a a character or something from a popular um, book or TV show or manga. Always a good way to go. Yeah. It's, it's perfectly fine. I feel to let your players and yourself like try and do that. If like, this is, that's the beauty of tabletop. It's you can be what to an, to a great grand extent you can do and be what you want to be. But mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to how am I going to recreate Cyclops from the X Men or Naruto from uh, the anime and manga? It's I f- it's almost like a fun puzzle. Like how am I going to do this? How am I going to use the systems to f- fulfill this fantasy that I want to do? Um, and then on the other side, kind of what you mentioned, just getting inspiration from anywhere. It's also, I also enjoy really putting almost limits on myself. I love the idea of having a low stat. I feel like you can have such an interesting and kind of fun character when they aren't like super superior to the common individual or like the quote unquote commoner in your game type when you're dealing i have a low strength stat so you're kind of like you can't do much but you're really smart like all in how those can play into your role playing and just overall character narrative i think is a joy to discover as as i play absolutely i think stats are a great way to influence character also looking at characters you enjoy in fiction and media are also another good way to do it too um i've done both of those things like Having a dumb stack can be very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's also, it encourages you to th- sort of think about the stats in different ways. Like uh, someone who has a dumb stat and charisma might be very physically attractive, but sounds like, I don't know, um, like they've, uh, they just word vomit all the time. Mm-hmm. Like they have no like good way of communicating or they can just be hella ugly. Like there's like, different ways of thinking of like how stats affect characters and Mm -hmm. how they look and how they act. Um, Realistically, there's like no wrong way to create a character. Like it's, it's very, it's an amorphous ooze. Um, But like going off of what you said about limits, I do think that limits are cool because it sort of sets a framework for where, what you can work within, which can Mm -hmm. be easier for a lot of people. Cause like, if you have a sandbox, like if I'm told, oh, you can create whatever kind of character you want, and like the campaign's kind of like a sandbox, I'll be like, uh, what? okay. To start! <laughs> like, <laughs> so it can be hard. Yeah. Oh, it can. And it, especially for newer players like that you're trying to introduce to the hobby in genre, mm-hmm. it's like you need those kind of direct, those signpost directions. Be like, okay, how about you think of this? And then once. Once they kind of wrap their head around it, like my wife uh, in the game we play, it was kind of her main uh, 
real experience to it and seeing new players like her kind of discover like when you when you the dungeon master an experienced player says you can pretty much try whatever you want when they when that idea clicks and they really realize it it's such a fun experience to see but you need those kind of guideposts to be to begin with for sure yeah and i think that plays a lot into like D&D is not an easy system. A lot mm-hmm. of people say it is. Um, but the thing about it is it's accessibility. And I don't mean that from like um, from a uh, disability standpoint, because there's a lot of things about D&D that aren't accessible. But like that's for another conversation. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as far as like availability. And also one of the things that like frustrates a lot of more experienced players is actually really helpful for new players. is the fact that like you have a list of spells, you have limits like. Obviously, a good DM plays with those and you can turn things in different ways and like do flavor different ways and stuff like that. Like Brennan does, like I do, like Mm -hmm. Bria does, like you can play with those things. But like it's helpful for new players to be like, these are the limits of what I can do. And then when you introduce them to something like um, Powered by the Apocalypse Systems or something that's more narrative. um, I had a friend like who who was whose introduction to tabletop was one of those more freeform systems and had a very hard time and like basically almost left the hobby until like they played some more like restricted systems because it was so difficult Mm -hmm. but like i mean everyone's different uh i very much like either you know making dnd my bitch by (laughs) playing with flavor and stuff or um using one of those more narrative systems um that can be very like rewarding and also cut down on combat because sometimes D combat can just be like so long yeah so long um love it could be shorter it drags on <laughs> you know it can, it can drag, drag yeah. on um eh, i can drag on in dungeons and dragons oh i see what you did there yeah oh, i'm funny so, so clever this is why college humor wanted me <laughs> <laughs> oh that would be that would have been fantastic i can I would I would pay to see that. Um, oh Lord, your, your no content. one wants me to make puns. I'm not good at them. I try, puns but I'm not awesome. great. Awesome. <laughs> Even bad puns have their their charm to them. So never they do. Yeah, never besmirch the pun. All puns are <laughs> wonderful in due time. Even if it makes people sigh and shake their head, they're always going to also have a little smirk on their face because of just how punny it was. They're going to be amused. Yeah. Yeah. One way or the other. Damn it. Um, <laughs> so with the kind of alternate game systems, um, what's kind of the creation process? I know you mentioned the world of darkness that you've played before. What's kind of the character creation, um, side to that? And how's it differ from, I guess, like a D and D? Um, I'm going to get hate on this, but like world of darkness is as complicated as D and D just in a very different way. Um, it's a D10 system, so character creation, like, you have a lot more, um, basically, like, like D&D, you have the skill system and stuff that you can put into those. Like, it's that, but much more expanded. And that basically forms the basis of your character. Um, but it's still it's still a number-heavy number, he- number heavy game system. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, like, World of Darkness is super adjacent to D&D as far as, like, how many numbers it has, just with different dice. Um, but it's not nearly as, like, numbers-heavy as something like Cyberpunk. Not Cyberpunk. Um, oh, God. What is it? Fuck. I'm drawing a blank. 
uh, God, the like super cyberpunk, but like also high fantasy system. Uh, Shadowrun. Oh Shadowrun, yeah. Shadowrun has a lot of Shadowrun confuses me. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's a bad system. It's just there's a lot. Um, and then like on the opposite end, you have stuff like Powered by the Apocalypse games, like Thirsty Sword Lesbians, and like Cult and stuff. So like those have um a little bit more limitation in numbers but still rolling dice and are a lot more narrative like um i would say that my character creation process for like thinking of the characters is the same across the board like it's just totally like depends on the campaign Mm -hmm. but like as far as like the crunchy bits like that's where they differ and like that's that's one of the beauties of being in the tabletop community and like having so many access to different games like there's a lot of different stuff you can see and like there's basically something for everyone um and i like playing a variety of those things like everything like systems are just tools to creating a story it depends on what kind of story you want to create that depends on what tool you want to use you know Mm -hmm. do you find your characters that you've created with the outside of being horny uh do you (laughs) find them do you you like what kind of other aspects do you find yourself returning to or do you, or is pretty much horny the only thing that unites your characters oh no horny is not the only thing that unites my characters horny is just like a common npc stuff that i play or like character like crate that i have mm-hmm. but like a lot of things that i've noticed throughout my like time PCing and NPCing, there's a lot of exploration of self and whether that's something that's reflection of me that's being explored the character or like the character realizing things about themselves, that's always a common theme. And, you know, like part of that is basically, you know, cause like I've had a lot of realizations of myself basically for like, for obvious reasons. Um, and then there's also aspects of like, I love exploring romance in games. I also love exploring um, like aspects of sociopolitical Things like uh, one of the things that I love doing about games is giving people power to change things mm-hmm. um, that you may not have in the real world because it's like sometimes like even just pretending you can fix that will make you feel better about the world itself, even the real world, you know? Yeah. What would do you have any characters that you've kind of like dreamed to play or that you have kind of rocking around in your head right now that is like, man, I, I, I would love a campaign that would let me bust this character out or something. Do you want, a, do you want some serious answers or the, the silly characters that I have in my head? No, I'd, I'd love the serious. I'd love the serious ones. Okay. So, um, I very much want to give, um, for serious characters, I definitely want to play a, knights i've never played a knight i've never played a lady knight i do want to play a knight someone who takes duty very seriously and i want to play them in such a way that they have to break their code i want to explore that sort of like that sort of strength of self through the morality that is taught by others being broken by your own morals and exploring what that looks like for a person like how breaking with those vows that you thought were so true and so good and so pure, how, what would cause someone to break from them and what is the kind of outcome from that, you know? Mm-hmm. 
not necessarily in an evil way, but like exploring like maybe those um, morals weren't as good as they seemed. Maybe you found some corruption. Maybe you realized that the order wasn't good, but like someone who has to break the code, you know? Yeah. Would you want to explore, or I guess, is it more interesting to you explore to pick up the character like right after they've done that and the repercussions and kind of them working through their decision to, or is it, you want to take them from starting off as the noble gallant knight, some trying to fit in an, a reason that they would break their oath during a campaign and then the repercussions. Like what stage? Depends on the campaign. Depends yeah. on the campaign, depends on the DM, depends on what they want to go with, what kind of arc they want to build. Um, it depends on if it's an NPC. Like it depends on mm-hmm. basically what kind of campaign it is because I could do either. Do you have um, a, a preferred, like a preferred track i guess like in, in your ideal situation what would you find the most I think, enjoyable uh i think what would be the most enriching especially if it's for an audience too like if it's streamed or um mm. recorded i think starting in medias race so right like after the point the breaking point and then exploring through like past history um like what they used to be and how they broke with that and who, how it shaped who they are now. I think that that would be a very fulfilling way to do it. And also narratively satisfying because you don't always want to start at point zero mm-hmm. with a character narrative. Like sometimes looking back and then like at their growth and change can be more fulfilling. I think I would start with it in um, basically already have been, having begun. Yeah, I think that would be very cool. Kind of like a Star Wars-esque situation where you start at episode four. Um, yeah. And for silly characters, I want to play yeah. Jenny Says Qua, <laughs> who it would be an urban fantasy type of deal, who has, whose main combat weapon is four-inch acrylics and is a monk. That's awesome. That would be, also, be sick. Also, um, there's also Street Fruit Struggle Fuck, <laughs> which is a character name that's been in my head for several months now and i don't know what to do brent i actually messaged brent and like what kind of class would you give this character and he was like different class for every part of their name yeah nice Abrius said the same thing a nice multi-class yeah a nice multi-class because like a lot of people think you can only multi-class twice you can multi-class yeah. as many times oh, yeah. as you have the ability to i did that yeah. for a couple months ago we my group the main DM took a break and we swapped to another one of the players to run and just for a couple of weeks. And it's like, I just want to have a random ass character. So I multi-classed into, it was like two or three levels in monk, cleric, paladin, and fighter or something. It was some combination, but it was just like everyone else was level 12 with their characters. I was just three level or four level three characters. It was a very unique experience. Um, but no, just that kind of zany nature was was a great time. Yeah, it can be chaotic, but oh, yeah. it can it also seems like it would be very fun. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Street Fruit Struggle Fuck, I will definitely play at some point. Oh, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Do you have a race in mind? Um, I feel like that has to be a homebrew race. Like mm-hmm. I have to either reskin another race for it or like just some sort of hodgepodge yeah or just like a half elf stripper <laughs> could go changeling so like 
whatever class they're yeah. they're channeling they ch augment their uh their appearance oh yeah <laughs> but you you touched upon this a little bit um and you have uh, made your name for yourself like you have appeared on some fantastic oh i've online... made a name for myself oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i'm still like i feel like such a beginner but go on go on no i I'm curious because you have played in larger scale online games and whatnot. Do you find your process of creating a character or playing a character to be different between running on or doing an online game in front of an audience and more of your home games? Oh, well, um, you know, there's a lot of people that would say yes to this. And I think, I'm an exception because I sort of, um, not that I'm like special or anything, um, but no, actually I'm, you special. are, fuck you off. are, um, like I, I said in the intro, you're majestic as fuck. So I'm majestic as fuck. <laughs> that hurt. I hope that, I hope that anyone listening to headphones that hurt you. Um, <laughs> so I think because I'm always striving to entertain in all my games and like, there are certain things that, like, with online games versus offline games, like, as a DM, you can linger more, you can occupy more space, like, or the players can occupy more space. There's not, like, you're not necessarily searching for, you know, time constraints and stuff. Um, and I think that affects a lot more play. But, like, as far as, like, how I choose my characters and what informs their creation and stuff and, like, how I play them, I'm always trying to entertain. Um mm -hmm. So, like, whether it's my friends at a table or if it's for people on the internet, like, I genuinely strive. There is there is a lot less pressure um, offline. However, I sort of feel like, like, there's always nerves before any campaign starts, but I feel like I've sort of adjusted to online play mm -hmm. a little bit. I will say that I do prefer, like, in-person games, whether recorded or not, because, like, there's a different energy. Oh, yeah do an in-person game and the only one i've been able to do in the last few years is dimension 20 and god i needed it <laughs> what sort of pressure do you feel with your characters when you're playing online like for an audience oh it's just it's like any sort of like oh my god people are gonna watch this like any sort of like stage fright or whatever mm -hmm. you, you adjust very quickly it's sort of a reaction to be like oh my god i'm so nervous we're going on the air and then it's like okay i'm fine um like it's it's the same thing with any other performance and any other sh media like it's mm -hmm. just you know people are going to be watching you and that's it. And like, it's easy with stream games to to like just be like, okay, I can't actually see these people. Whatever, they're chatting. It's cool. Um, like, it's it's. I think that's really it. You know. Mm -hmm. And also, I will say that there's an aspect of online play where it's like, especially now where I'm at, like, um, there's a lot of people online that I think forget that like these are improv games. Not everything's going to be perfect. Like, not nothing scripted. Mm -hmm. So it's like there are certain things that like may come up that people don't like or whatever. And like, I try not to think about those, but sometimes those are a concern afterward. Um, and I'm not talking about like anything bad. It's just like, you're not always going to play optimally. And like characters are human. They make mistakes and stuff and they should make mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think some people forget that like, these are improv games. We have split second decisions. Like not everything's going to be as like, 
100% as it could be if it wasn't, you know? Yeah. And that's like, that's the nature of the game. That's one of the reasons why everyone's watching it, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm curious with using Dimension, we'll use Sam from Dimension 20 as an, ex, or just as the the focus. As you were playing of course, that. I love being the focus. <laughs> as you were playing and with it being watched by so many people, were there any, I guess, theories, like fan theories or um not I don't want to say rumors that's that's not the right word but uh fan theories that kind of surprised you that the watchers kind of found or surprises that you maybe had thought of and hadn't revealed yet that the audience had picked up on oh both um they picked up on a lot of stuff real early um but some of the ones that surprised me like I I see it when I watched the show back, I saw completely what they were seeing. But I when I was originally playing Sam, I didn't think that anyone would read um, her relationship with Zelda as romantic. But like looking at it in like post, I'm like, oh, I totally get why they would do that. And like, I totally see it. And I'm totally on board with this. I love this interpretation. Um, Like there's a lot not that it's necessarily canon, um, but like it's. It, I see it, and it could definitely be a thing if I went back and, like, uh, we, like, played again. We'll see what happens. But, like, um, there's, a, there's a lot of shipping and a lot of, like, other stuff, like, that was just, like, out of left field, but I still loved it. It was really cool being part of, like, a fandom experience. Like, um, and, like, things that they predicted, they predicted... Um, uh, let's see. I feel like someone predicted Sam dying um, as however brief it was. Um, a lot of people predicted like the stuff with the Eidolons. A lot of people predicted a few things that were like they just like they watch with the viewer's eye. And like sometimes it's hard to surprise people even in an improv game because you're looking for those tropes and you're looking for those like things. Certain people that are like, you know, media obsessed like we all basically are mm-hmm. as nerds like can pick up on certain things. But I still think we got some surprises in there, you know? Yeah. Are there were there any fan theories that you like so much that you adopted in your like canonical lore of Sam? It's like that's a really cool idea. I think I'm going to I'm going to use that. Um well, if they if that would be telling. Good point. Because like I want everyone to think that anything that they think could possibly be canon is it could be canon. Mm-hmm. Um but he, I will say yes. But they don't need to know that. <laughs> they don't need to know that they they that air of mystery. This. You gotta yeah, have that air like, of mystery. Yeah, gotta have that air of mystery. Did you think of it, or did the fans think of it? I'm just gonna. I love it. What came first, the chicken or the egg? You don't know. It's a mystery. That's what. She, that, that's what brings people back in. They try but and yeah, leave, and course. you pull them back in. So, uh, like with Sam and everything with the. Sh- Dimension 20, the show being over um, for now and everything, have you thought, like, after it wrapped, have you thought, like, what Sam will be doing or, like, post-show? I 
given it a lot of thought, um, you know, and like I'm loath to say certain things because mm-hmm. like, you know, what if we did get a second season? Nothing's confirmed yet. Nothing mm-hmm. is like nothing's even come up. No one's asked us anything or whatever. Um, it's just like, you know, the secret hope that we all have. Yeah. Um, and I've thought about that. But like in case it doesn't happen, I'm going to like not answer. But no, I will I, say yeah, I don't want to like, know the answer. Well, because... I mean, there's certain things that are obvious. I do mm-hmm. think Sam pursues acting and music like um with her new agent Lola and I think that like certain things happen um I've th- given a lot of thought of like if there were a second game what would Sam's arc be like she already explored sort of you know the fear of abandonment and like all those insecurities left from Penelope like what would be mm-hmm. her arc and it's like for a little while I was like struggling but then I realized you know Sam is a character Sam is a person like her life is not over and her problems are far from done. And even the ones that have been dealt with, like you'll be, she'll be dealing with those for years to come. Mm-hmm. Like girl needs therapy. They all need therapy. All the seven Megans need therapy. Um, but like, I think that like, there are certain things that are unresolved that never came up in game that are part of Sam's life. That could be a part of a new arc. And I think that it would be very cool to explore that if I get the chance, but who knows? Does the idea of returning as Sam or coming or letting her or letting them just have their time and leave it kind of nebulous and in your mind, or would you prefer either returning with, I let me rephrase, is returning, bringing an old character back or starting fresh more attractive to you? Oh, you know, I've gone back and forth on this. And Erica Erica answered this question in um, one of the, like, adventuring parties that we had, the most, the last one. I was like, always something new. And I was like, well, I would love to go back to Sam. Um, but, like, we did end on a really good note. We summed up the campaign. Like, Sam and the Seven Maidens could exist as, uh, as their own thing and just be that one season. And I would be... I'd be sad about not returning because I love the people in the campaign. I love the character, but like we did a good job. I feel like we did a good job. And I think that like it could stand alone, but on the other hand, like, I think I want to say that making new as something new is probably more enticing to me. And that I agree with Erica because like I made Sam my own, but Sam pre-existed in the world of Spire. Um, and like, we sort of like retold the characters to be who we wanted and who we thought they would be. And that was great, but I would love to be on Dimension 20 with a new character. Um, I would love, I, I, but at the same time, there are characters that like I've explored that I would love to return to, like Miranda from Faith Forge. I would love to do a flash. She died. She did. <laughs> um, she was pre-planned to die. I, I basically discussed it with the DM that I wanted to rip out all the other players' hearts. Um, and I did successfully. Uh, but like, I would love to just show up for a cameo or like show up for something and just be like the the ghost and like just show up in the Zoom call and have to be like, oh my god, what? Is- <laughs> Rip those um, heartstrings back out. Yeah, basically. I if you haven't listened to Faith Forge Academy, you should especially that arc because like I feel like, and not just because of me, I feel like everyone did an incredible job with it. It was very fun. Uh, Steven, who's the DM, is brilliant. Um, but yeah, I, I think something new, I think something new. Very cool. Very cool. So one, what's a character that maybe you've played in a home game that 
what's been your most like kind of out there character or dip most difficult character to role play and play as? Those are two different answers. The most out there character would be Faye Wilder, who I named before I knew the Faye Wilder was a thing. This was years ago. Uh, Faye Wilder, the only, the owner of the only strip cupcakery in all of Nevada, outside of Las Vegas, and a former Republican candidate for president in the state of Georgia from World of Darkness series that I did offline. Those are two very different characters, yeah. No, no, yeah, no, that was the same character. Oh, wow. They were the same character. Yeah, yeah, no, she was was bonkers. (laughs) She was was out of her fucking mind. Um, She was, she was... Um, like she was so much fun to play. My friends loved to hate her so much that they actually sealed her within a whetstone for all eternity, never to reach the afterlife, um, and always to be torn apart forever within its bounds. Well, that's cheery. Yeah, no, it was a fitting ending for her. She was, she was, <laughs> she wasn't a, like she was a criminal. She was very fun. Uh, she wasn't a villain by any means. She was just chaos incarnate. Um, she was. A, I would love to bring her back for something. It's been years since I played her. But the most difficult character I've had to play, um, I actually did a one shot with um, Jasmine, the uh, the bronze girl, um, for Roll Twenty. It was a um, world. I think it was World of Darkness. It was World of Darkness Cosmic Horror, and the characters were pre assigned, um, and I got a very Christian, extremely good girl um, who was like all about light and purity and like, just like wanted to do good. And it was just like, it was so out of my normal, like she was an ingenue. It's not something I normally get to play. Mm-hmm. And so it was difficult, but once I got into the mindset, it was incredible. It was so much fun. Um, like I like stretching myself. Mm-hmm. So I think my most memorable character uh, was the whole, the whole backstory. It was as I'm a big fan of randomizers um, in video games mm-hmm. and y- you play a bunch. Of I know. Randomizers I know you've stuff. recommended them to me um, and I played a few. Well, I my the whole idea of this character was to incorporate that randomization aspect to the character. And I came up with this half-elf warlock whose mind had shattered when he was trying to make his pact or whatever and it split his mind into six separate personas so each persona was its own class alignment everything uh that was all just randomly assigned by dice rolls like i I wanted to do something like that for a while not necessarily personal well I wanted to do like multiple people occupying the same Mm. body and each one has a different class. I've never found a DM who's willing to roll with it yet, though. It was so much fun. And like I worked with the DM. So like anytime I would roll a natural one, the personality would shift. So like I could be in one. And sometimes like if I was emotionally like startled or something, it could cause a change. But like I remember in one, I was rocking the kind of roguish kind of assassin uh, persona and I got I rolled in that one and suddenly my the personality changed to like a cleric who had no idea what was do was happening and just started falling out of the sky because the other one had the rogue had like stabbed into the back of this flying demon creature but it was just like they don't 
they ha- they all had different stats, alignments, all of it just randomly assigned by roles. And it was so much fun and interesting to play as for for what you said, like that stretching of yourself and really seeing what could do and then having to drop on the side of a dime. It was it was a lot of fun and I highly recommend the trying it out some, sometime. That sounds like a lot of fun. Like I've 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 dealt I've had the concept in my head of like not necessarily multiple personalities, but kind of. Um mm-hmm. not really. Um it's like several different souls occupying like different people occupying the same body and who's in control changes depending. But like yeah, no, it sounds like a lot of fun. It was it was a good time. But so with playing and creating characters and everything, what's an mm-hmm. aspect that you would like to see added or like what's the biggest downfall or negative for let's say Dungeons and Dragons character creation? Like what would you like to see in 6 point or 6th edition character creation that you find is lacking? I would like to see spell variants. So variants of each individual, like variants of um, like prestidigitation, variants that can be used in different ways just to expand on what you can do. And like you can take different variants of that spell. Um, like also I think that, I th- think that race um, deciding your stats is a little outdated and I hope that they make that a standard um, change in the next gen. Obviously, um, which is the coast has been slow about certain kinds of inclusivity, but it's getting better. It seems like, um, I would love to see that. I'd also love to see, um, maybe, uh, hiring writers who aren't, uh, you know, problems. <laughs> there's a lot of them, but there's a lot of good writers out there too. Uh, there's like a lot yourself. of good writers too. Um, but yeah, um, I think, that those are the things I'd like to change, see change. And by spell variants, I just like, I want to see spells used in different ways and different like usages. Cause like I get a lot, I get both praise and flack for some of the usages of spells that I have that are not standard. Um, and I just like to see a little bit more, um, maybe a little bit more loosey goosey stuff with mm-hmm. it. Or like, a, like, a, I don't know, a point system that allows you to slightly tweak the nature of a spell. Like, and I don't mean like anything like major or like damage wise or something, but like using a spell in a slightly more creative way, something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that would that would be cool. Like the idea of spell variants would be mm-hmm. or have like a utility aspect, like utility rules for it. And then like a combat rules, like two, yeah, that'd be cool. two things for each. Um, I know for in terms of like the racial stats and everything, they have. I don't know if it's been printed in more up-to-date versions of the player's handbook. But it has. Okay. Well, uh, well, okay. No, it's not in... I don't think it's in more up-to-date versions of the player's handbook, but it's in one of the new guides. It's, yeah. It's, Tasha's, they consider it a variant role. Okay. I think it is Tasha's, um, but like I would like to see that just be the standard yeah. for 6th edition. Yeah, it's... Um, I agree. I would... I don't know if we're going to see 6th edition anytime soon. Well, they announced that they'll have play tester and they'll be announcing like the the follow-up or the next big uh D version next year i want to say that's cool they announced um, and then i know that 2023 i think they said so i know there. that fifth edition took a little while like took mm-hmm. a while after the play tests were announced and it was announced for it to come out um in high not in high school in college i actually had um i have no idea who he is um but my friend annie's father um, was one of the developers for 5e 
Um, and like, I know that the play tests that they did were way before the um, release. The public play test? Because I, because back then yeah. it was D&D Next, I know they called. Because like, I mm-hmm. got into the um, play test for that as well. I have a binder somewhere in my basement um, yeah. with all the rules for that. But yeah, it'll be, I'm anxious to see because they are trying to address a lot of the complaints and issues that uh, have come up and desperately need to be updated for the times. So yeah, I think, interesting I think see. there's a lot of good to be done there. Um, mm-hmm. I also think that like, hopefully they're hiring more diverse writing staff and actually like letting them do things. Um, so mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised I didn't know that they were already starting to announce it. Like, well, let's hope um, that I like it as much as five fifth edition because I like five E more than any other edition I've ever played. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. It was back in, I think it was like for D and D week or something back in September. But the next evolution of Dungeons and Dragons will release in 2024. They're saying. Um, yeah. So a few years. Um, yeah. Next year, I guess we're getting. They'll will be returning to th- three. Um, classic D&D settings and stuff ahead of uh, the potential 6th edition release in 2024. So that'd be cool. I'll be anxious to see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So we are at one of my favorite parts. Actually, before we get to uh, that section, um, Persephone, what what tips or advice would you give to people... um, starting out like that might be just getting into tabletop role-playing games with making characters. Oh, um, try to make something that's fun for you. Like, and honestly, broody characters honestly aren't usually fun for people, even if they want to play a broody character. Um, unless you're doing it in a very specific way. Uh, I always encourage people to do something that's fun something that might be close to you if you haven't done any type of role-playing or LARPing or any type of acting before. Um, Just something that is fun and close to you. There's always time to explore new things. Um, If you want to do that with your first character, go ahead by all means, but like don't make it harder on yourself than you have to. It's a game. Have fun. Yeah. And kind of expanding on that, my tips or advice is there's always development. Characters will always see development um, mm-hmm. as you play and as the campaign goes on. So if you do want to try and explore a different side to a character or see how uh, your character would respond to a different situation, don't be afraid to kind of change up and evolve your character as you go. Absolutely. To, to what you to like what you said, make it fun for yourself, because at the end of the day, that's what's important, that you are having fun and that your character and the rest of the table is having fun because at the end of the day, that's all these. It's a it's a game. It is mm-hmm. a game. Um, I believe that games are more than just games, but when you're starting out, think of it as a game. Yeah, agree. agree. Now we are getting to one of my favorite parts of these tabletop episodes. Let's get classy or racy. So Persephone, are you feeling racy or classy today? You know, the exact opposite of what I usually am. So classy classy so we are going to be creating a brand new class or subclass for dun we'll do it for dungeons and dragons because like you said that's what we're familiar with so what would be Mm -hmm. a fun class 
that you would like to see played. It can be outlandish. It can be zany. We've had the barbarian before. We've had all sorts of fun things. So off the cuff, um, what kind of class? I would really like to see, this is more of a subclass. Um, sure. I would really like to see a sorcerer that is inspired by like the Briar Rose Tale, um, basically like a uh, rose affiliated sorcerer that does a lot of plant-based and uh, darkness-based magic. Um, something that I have been toying around with for a while in my head. So almost like a a mix of like a druid and a sorcerer kind of thing. Almost, um, yeah. But I think it would focus a lot on attack magic more than like actual growth and like the druids are very. Um, Druids control the battlefield, basically. That's mm-hmm. one of the uses of their um, powers is that they have the ability to bring new party members in and just sort of like like control area instead of doing like just straight up damage. I'm thinking this would be like a very like rose and thorn type of caster. Um, something like a lot of curse-based magic, a lot of like black thorns and like blood red petals, stuff like that. Okay. Um, what would you say... I like that. Let's see. What what would we call it? What could we call it? The thorny sorcerer? The briar? The briar sorcerer. I like that. The briar. Um, and what would its kind of like special like subclass ability be? What would you like that to be? Like spawning Ooh. spawning a 10-foot square of thorns or something or how about a thorny tentacle? Okay, okay. Kind of like a, a more organic thorn whip kind of ability? Yeah, um, like a uh, almost sentient thorn whip. Yeah, like, like you would control it with like bonus actions and it would attack for you and stuff. Oh. But like it comes from the ground. Yeah. Out of the ground. I like that. That's that's cool. Would they have any? What would be? Let's come up with a couple like special spells that they would get. What do you? Um, I kind of want to do like a tuxedo mask inspired spell, like a petal storm or something like that. That basically um, reduces visibility, but also the petals are like cursed, so they do necrotic damage. Um. Like, uh, not like a super, not like, um, I'm torn between doing like a lower low, like a second level one or like a fifth level one. That's sort of like sleep storm, but like, like just petals. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think like for like a second, like a second level spell, it would be like, it would be a cone attack where you just like basically rip. Like you produce a rose and you rip the petals off and throw them at them, and they like storm them and like multiply mm-hmm. and reduce sight visibility. So it's sort of like um, a distraction, but also the petals would swirl around them and do um, like curse damage over a minute, like necrotic damage over a minute. Okay. And then like maybe maybe increasing levels of that, like maybe at fifth level you can also like produce like a stunning effect or something or like maybe not something so OP but something like that you know yeah it almost reminds me of I don't know um, if you ever watched or read the the Bleach anime or manga but um, nope. 
there's one that turns basically one of the individual's special abilities. They turn their katana into rose petals that swirl around and just cut, cut, cut bits. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that shit. It's very cool. But yeah, I like that. Or maybe like when you upcast it, the cone becomes bigger or it will linger and have like maybe like a tornado or like a vortex for like around or something. So it just stays there and does. That would be cool. I like that. With the Um, thorny tentacle. I also think something like a like a petal armor um, or thorn armor. Um, that could be a class feature that increases. Like, start off with Thorn Armor, then you get Petal Armor. And, like, Thorn Armor would do damage whenever someone is within melee range or within mm-hmm. five feet. And then, like, Petal Armor would um, basically be, um, like, a magic defense, like um, like a resistance to magic or, like, a... Um, or almost like a like displacer a, cloak. Like, your form yeah. kind of shifts around as you're, like, in this mm-hmm. spiral of petals. That, yeah, those could be cool. Yeah, I like that. The briar. Yeah, I've been toying around with like, I haven't actually put. I've been like, I want to do this. I want to do this, but I haven't actually put this much thought into it yet. No, that would be that would be really cool. I I dig it. I dig the briar. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, hope we'll write to wizards, damn it, and we'll get the briar in a, a Maybe supplement. I'll put it up on DM's guild or something. Yeah, there you go. That'd be sick. Um, but yeah, so that is the Briar subclass of Sorcerer that utilizes thorns and petals to destroy their foes. But that is going to do it for another episode of RPG University. Persephone, thank you so much for hanging out and talking about characters with me today. Happy to. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Of course. This has been a great time. It had a blast. But where can people find you online? What do you have cooking? Go ahead and plug away. So you can find me on Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, and YouTube at Persephiroth. There's nothing on my YouTube yet, but I will be putting up some Nuzlocke videos, which are Pokemon challenge videos, at some time within the next uh, month or so. Um, I, you also can find me... There's something coming up that I can't talk about, but it should be announcing soon. So definitely follow me on Twitter. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. And I would love to talk Nuzlocke with you sometime. So we can totally do that. If you're ever down, love to talk Nuzlocke, but I'm down. I'm down. Awesome. But thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG or a character you would like us to feature and talk about on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion, or you can share your own favorite RPGs and characters directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to know, be kind to one another. May you always roll high. Class dismissed. Bye.